I had Moses. Elisha had Elijah. The disciples had Jesus. Timothy had Paul. But this generation almost has none at all. Outside the camp, far from the camp, and called it the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle of meeting, which was outside the camp. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. So Joshua had Moses, Elisha had Elijah, the disciples had Jesus, but this generation almost has none at all. There's never been a more fatherless generation than the generation that we're experiencing now. There's never been a generation more gender-confused there's never been a generation with more unnatural affection. There's never been a generation with a higher teen suicide rate than there is in the generation we live in. The scripture tells us at the closing of the Old Testament, speaking to the new covenant, speaking to the day that we live in, he said, I'm going to send the spirit of Elijah to restore and return the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children's hearts to the fathers. And if that does not happen, I will put a curse on the land. Well, we have a responsibility or we have an opportunity. It all depends on how you look at it. But we need to look at it as it is spoken and as it is said. We need to father. We need to mother. We need to raise up. We need to give our hearts to this generation. Today's a special day here at the Well Family Worship Center. Today, we've seen that the school of ministry students, young adults, people have been training and equipping for ministry, lead the service, direct us in the service, lead in worship, lead in the receiving of the tithes and the offerings, lead in the, the announcements, the prayer transitions, and just uh, the setting forth of a stage for what God wants to do. Not only is today just special because of them, but it's special because today we get to send off our students to camp this week. We get to release them to go to camp and to experience and encounter the Lord. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 9 through 13. So Moses wrote this law and delivered it to the priest, the sons of Levi. And notice here he delivered it to the sons. He wrote the law, but 
Levi had been walking with him, had been his priest or had been his pastor, but he passed it on to the next generation. Moses was setting something up for Joshua's generation. Moses was setting the sons and daughters in order, as the scripture even tells us, there comes a day that we should reveal, we should release the sons and daughters of this age and of this hour. We are using this service like we've never done before. We're spending a Sunday morning service connecting to what starts tomorrow really starts today. What starts in their tomorrow starts in their today with you and I as we live around, as we, as we do life with, as we teach and train, as we share from one generation to another a marvelous and wonderful, powerful and glorious God who can do the same miracles and the same signs and wonders and more so in their generation than even in ours. Today's special uh, because we're going to make a transition from one generation to another. We're going to set the stage. We're going to do what we can to prepare them for what they can do. He goes on, he said, who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord and to all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, saying, at the end of every seven years, at the appointed time in the year of release. I have to stop at just that little line. As I was studying, preparing, knowing what we're going to be doing today, I was looking in Exodus, and I was looking in Joshua, and it's as if the Lord just said to me, said, what, what I want happening isn't happening in those, it's happening in Deuteronomy. And so I went to Deuteronomy chapter 31, and I started reading, and I got floored. I had to get up off the floor and go tell my wife what I just experienced. You see, just last week, I preached about it's time. Now we find in this passage at the appointed time. This is the appointed time. Something is being synchronized. Something is being set in order. This is a special time. But it said at the end of seven years, this is seven years for Difference Maker. At the end, this coming Thursday night, at the end of that, something as like a jubilee that we just sang about is getting ready to take place. God is going to restore our sons and daughters. And God is going to replenish them and set them up for the harvest that is coming. Not only is it an appointed time, not only the seven years, but it's a year of release. About two months ago, the Lord started stirring in my heart uh, what the subtitle to revision would be. And it's a shame to us as a church that there's some people who attend church here who don't know what revision is. It's our yearly conference. It's where we confer. It's where we gather. It's where we sit in his presence and people come in and minister to us and exhort us and equip us and prepare us and impart into us, invest into us. They bless over what has happened and they speak into what's going to happen. But it always comes in the harvest time. We are preparing for the harvest. And as I was getting the subtitle to revision, the Lord dropped in my spirit the releasing, the releasing. And I thought, well, it should be the revealing. But he said, it's the releasing. Unbeknownst to me, Deuteronomy chapter 39, verse 9, 31 verse 9, literally says the year of release. Friends, we're literally living in scriptural times. You cannot say a million times like we have here, these days are those days. Those days that the Bible talked about, they are these days. You are living in the greatest days. You are living in the best days yet. 
And I'm going to try to convey to you in the next few minutes, in a short period of time, to understand something. I'm tired of the whimpering and the whining. I'm tired of the, of the nostalgic grandparent or the, the, the parent that says, oh, I just hate it for my children's generation and my grandchildren. Then do something about it. It's time for us to do something. It's time for us to run for office. It's time for us to evangelize and dance in the streets. It's time for us to prophesy. We are living in the greatest days. We're living in the best days. Have you read the book? We win. But I'll tell you what thing I never wanted to be. I never wanted to be an 0 and 10 team that still gets a trophy. Paul said you have to run the race. You have to run it accordingly. I don't want to be sitting on the end of the bench and them saying, well, you were part of the team. Here's your free ice cream cone. That's not where I want to sit. I want to make a difference. This church was set here to advance the kingdom of God while we're here on earth, that his kingdom would come and his will would be done. So don't think for a moment God doesn't know what he's doing. It's all coming together. When all of Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses, all of Israel, all the people of God, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. I can gratefully say that you have never attended church here, not once, that you have not heard the word of God read and preached. Amen? That's one of the reasons we gather is for what we're doing right now. And that they may learn to fear the Lord your God and carefully observe all the words of this law. And that their children who have not known it, and that their children who have not known it, may hear and learn to fear the Lord your God. We will be a house dedicated to another generation and a generation that follows that generation to hear, to learn, and to know the voice of God, the word of God, the presence of God. Amen? For the Lord your God, as long as you live in the land which you cross the Jordan to possess. So God wants the sons to carry the ark. The trunk up here today is symbolic of the ark. There's something inside of it. It's meant to be carried. Now, our generation has gotten smart and we put wheels on things. But it was meant to be carried. Two, two young priests would carry it or four of them on their shoulders to carry it. That's just symbolic. But why is that so symbolic? Because 25 years ago, Gretchen and I heard God stirring in our hearts to disciple and to preach and to teach a young generation what we call a youth pastor. And we did a youth conference. It was called the Big Gig, and it's written on here somewhere. It was getting in with, intimate with God, garden, uh, growing in grace. It was just all these little gigs. How many of y'all remember when I used to have gigs? But we preached 25 years ago. A Joshua generation. It was there that I realized that you can preach something and you'll see a, a quick sprouting up and you'll see people that will get clip art and t-shirts and, and bracelets and, and, and music and they'll get all this stuff, but then it fizzles out. I don't know why whenever there's a vision of God, there's a vision, then there's the death of the vision, and then there's the resurrection of vision. But I do know in the kingdom of God, everything must die first before it lives. Jesus said, if you want to come after me, you must deny yourself, die to yourself, 
Pick up your cross and follow me. Unless a wheat kernel falls on the ground and dies, it abides alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Do you not realize you're nothing but a seed? You're a human seed, but you are known before you're ever even in your mother's womb. Just like when Mark got up and you said at 16 years old, somebody said to him, some preacher, can't even call him by name, doesn't even know his name, but he literally says, you're not meant to be gay. You're not gay anymore, are you? You are meant to be born again. You're meant to be delivered. You are not meant, listen to me. Just like a young lady in a youth conference experiences the divine power of God under the unction of anxiety, her father speaks into her life, and she's set free from anxiety. It doesn't mean that anxiety won't come again, but it won't have her again. Appointed time. Crossing the Jordan to possess. You know what he was saying to them, what Moses was saying? You guys have something that God has for you. God has something for you if you will just cross over, if you'll just be obedient. One generation crossed the Red Sea. The next generation is crossing a river. It shouldn't seem harder. It should seem easier. The trunk represents 25 years ago. A Joshua generation represents the, the, the ark, but it's symbolic today uh, of gifts of symbolism. Uh, maybe we would better say prophetic gifts. This box has gifts inside of it uh, that are symbolic of what God wants to do in the next generation's life. While we were worshiping today, I found myself, the Bible says, sing a new song. It says, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And I started singing. It's like I was singing while I was preaching to you. I was like I was in this little vision, and I started saying, go up into your attics. Go down into your basement. Get into the loft of your garage. Go into the history books in the bottom drawer of things you've tucked away. It's time to pass on things that really mean something to the next generation. Don't go to Walmart. Don't go to Target. Don't go to Hibbets. Don't go to Dick's this time. They've got enough new stuff. Get them something old that means something. It's time for us to pass something on to the next generation. I'm going to move my podium. I'm going to ask Pastor Cody. I hope there's nothing behind me. I'm going to ask Pastor Cody to come up here for just a second. Because I have, you have an assistant? I have a few things that I want to give you this morning. I have a few things that I'm supposed to pass on to this generation. I'm supposed to pass it on to you and to your generation. I'm passing it on from me and from our congregation. I want you to know this house will support you and the sons and daughters. What you represent in the next generation, we'll support it on into creations and on into Potter's Playhouse. We are committed of raising up a generation. Verse 2 of Joshua chapter 1, Moses, my servant, was dead. I got news for you. I ain't dead. I was hoping Monica would say thank you. Now, therefore, arise and go. If you were here Sunday night, for the night of worship, you're missing some really powerful things. We are a prophetic people. We're a prophetic church. We believe that God still speaks in the now. He said, my sheep shall know my voice. And the message Sunday night was arise and go. 
arise and go. And here we find ourselves the very next Sunday morning that God is saying, arise and go. Arise and go. He said, arise and go. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan. It's time to cross over. And you and all this people to the land which I am giving them. Do you realize that God already has what he's already going to give you? Everything is already prepared. Everything is already in place. Everything is ready for those who arise and go into what God has for them. And he said, in the land which I'm giving you, the children of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot would tread, I'll give you that land. He gave him an instruction to walk this thing out. I had this picture that those sandals may be the sandals that Moses took off in the presence of God. And he said, now it's your turn to get there. Now it's your turn not just to go to the box of the Ark of the Covenant, but live at the burning bush and live in the presence of God. But everywhere that the soles of your feet walk will be yours. In other words, he's saying, take the land. I saw the word, I should have given to the graphics because some people may not catch this, but everywhere... Every W-E-A-R. Wear it. Wear it. Wear it. Walk in it and live in it. And then he, he moved on, and, it, and there's a story, and, and the story stands behind me, and it said that Moses pitched his tent. Moses went outside of the camp where all the people that him were at, and he made a place to meet with God. And it said that Joshua went into that tent with him, that next generation. Now, let me ask you something, dads. Let me ask you something, moms. Let me ask you something, grandparents. I'm not going to question you. I'm going to ask you to ask yourself a question. Are you taking your children to prayer? Are you taking them to church? Are you taking them into the presence of God? Teach your children the presence of God. We're going to do our best to help you, but let's teach them the presence of God. He pitched a tent. And it said that as Moses walked out of that tent, Joshua stayed in that tent. Now I got you a big one. It's heavy too, isn't it? It's a heavy thing to live in the kabod of God. But the reason I got you a big one out of the loft of my garage is because Joshua said at his closing remarks, he said, ask for me and my house will serve the Lord. That's not just a pup tent. That's a family tent. You'll be able to live in that thing, but take your family to the presence of God. He gave him a tent. Moses was faithful, so shall you be. Not only did he give him a tent, and give them sandals. But I grabbed this out of my study. It's the old one. It's one that I've had for years. Matter of fact, this thing has been to almost every state in the United States of America. It's carried the word of God. It's carried sermons. It's been in nations. It's been to Israel. It's been to Mexico. It's been to Europe. Matter of fact, it got fixed in Mexico. They took some leather and, and fixed it because the handle broke. It wore out because it's something to handle. But this is something to travel with. And I truly believe that this traveling, there's things inside of it, but what's traveling here is that you're to go to all the nations. You're to go to all the world and preach the gospel. This generation is meant to go into all the world to preach the gospel. Inside of here are some very valuable items, very much needed in your generation. The first thing, it says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do all according to all that is written in it. I have for you the written word. I have for you the written word. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. We don't know 
who wrote the book of Joshua. They really don't have any way to say that it was him, but most likely it was Joshua. You'll have what he has written, but we want to have what you have written too. So journal your journey as you carry his word. There inside also is a prayer shawl, a prayer shawl, talit, that they would wear in prayer, that they would cover themselves because they would be in corporate settings and they didn't have a whole lot of private places there. The prayer shawl was to set aside a private place, a special place, a reminder to have personal space during your walk with the Lord. Jesus, a great while before day, got up and went out and sought God. And if God in the flesh had to seek God in the spirit early in the morning all by himself, how much more might we need to teach them to have a private time with God, not just a corporate time with the church? Don't ask me to blow it. It's a shofar. Why a shofar? Well, why did they have one in Joshua chapter 6 when they're having to deal with Jericho where things were tightly shut up? They couldn't go in and they couldn't come out, but as yet a city that they were called to take. And let me tell you something about the promised land. Let me break some, maybe some religious history in your life. The promised land crossing over the Jordan is not heaven. Heaven is not a land. It's a kingdom. You need to understand something. In heaven, there'll be no giants. In heaven, there'll be no enemies. In heaven, there will only be those who eternally worship Jesus forever and ever and ever. But they had the shofar. The shofar can call them together. The shofar can tap you into the presence of God. The shofar can be the, shofar can be the sound and alarm of victory and of battle and to take down the walls, take cities. You see, when they prayed... They burned incense. That incense there should be the fragrance of you dying before the Lord. But that incense there to you will be the sweetness and the closeness of him being with you. I'm sure you'll carry it well. I also left inside of here a hand and a half full of change. You see, it's been in there a long time. It was changed in case I was in emergency for parking or if it was an emergency to get something to drink at, at a soda uh, uh, machine or something like that. But I just believe that the change was supposed to stay in there because you're going to be used in your generation to change this nation and to change the hour in which we live. So you have received provisions for the present season. Now you have an unction upon you to provide for the next generation. Numbers 27, verse 18 through 23. And the Lord said to Moses, take Joshua, the son of Nun, with you, a man in whom is the spirit, and lay your hand upon him. Set him before Eleazar, the priest, and before all the congregation, and inaugurate him in their sight. We need an inauguration. We need an inauguration service. And you shall give some of your authority to him, that all the congregation of the children of Israel may be obedient. He shall stand before Eleazar, the priest, who shall inquire before the Lord for him by the judgment of Urim. At his word, they shall go out. And at his word, they shall come in. He and all the children of Israel with him and the congregation. So Moses did as the Lord commanded him. 
And he took Joshua and set him before Eleazar, the priest, and before all the congregation. And he laid his hands on him and inaugurated him, just as the Lord commanded by the hand of Moses. I'm going to ask you, Pastor Cody, if you'd come over here. But Father, I lay my hand upon Pastor Cody. And Lord, I speak an inauguration upon his life for the generation that you've set him in. Lord, I ask that he would lead. I ask that he would lead by example. I ask that he would teach and he would cause them to learn the fear of the Lord. Lord, I ask that he had walked away, that everywhere that the soles of his feet tread, that you'd give him the land. Father, I thank you for the giftings and the callings inside of him. And Lord, I release him to you to lead, especially this week and the days following. I bless him today in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I want to encourage you to not just partake this morning when we pray for the teenagers. I want to encourage you at home. Lay your hands on your sons and daughters, your grandchildren. Hey, they may not even know it when you're doing it. Patting them on the head. Bless them. Speak blessings over them. Let's be a church. Let's be a people. Let's be a congregation that will help raise up and release a generation. Amen. And he would return to the camp. But his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, did not depart from the tabernacle. It came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Now therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you, nor forsake you. I want to take this time to thank Pastor Greg. But as I begin to thank, how would I thank you for what you not just deposited into me. This isn't just a by chance moment. There's many things you've deposited into me and my generation. And I begin to think, I tried to search, where did Joshua thank Moses? What would have Joshua said to Moses in those departing words? And right now I want to read a thank you and an honor to you as a Moses generation into a Joshua generation. Not me thanking you, but us thanking you. The Lord began to speak to me that it's not about a person, but it's about a people. And I just want to read what the Joshua generation, I pray they catch this and that we would begin to honor the Moses generation. It's an honor to be in submission to you, but not once has submission felt belaboring. It's an honor to serve your vision the Lord has given you, but not once has serving your vision left our vision dim. 
It's thrilling to be a part of your dreams, but not once has being part of your dream caused ours to delay. Your support is tangible, and you've desired and believed the best for our families, our ministries, and our personal relationship in the Lord Jesus Christ. We honor you, and we thank you. Deuteronomy 34, verse 9, it says this. It says, then Joshua, Now Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the children of Israel heeded, they heard, they listened, they obeyed him, and did as the Lord commanded Moses. It says, Joshua was full of the spirit of wisdom because Moses laid his hands on him. And I want to speak to the Joshua generation right now, not just those that are in youth group, but the generation that is rising up, that has been raised up, that has been discipled by the Moses generation. We are incomplete without Moses. We are incomplete and insufficient in and of ourselves without a Moses generation. We're not a generation that will rise up just so we can then surpass them. But no, we're a generation that is being raised up so that we can walk with them. Joshua would have not been filled with the spirit of wisdom if it wasn't for the grace and the presence of God through Moses being imparted to Joshua. Joshua would have been incomplete without Moses. It says the children of Israel, because Moses laid his hands on Joshua, he had wisdom. And because of Moses, the children of Israel heeded Joshua. The Joshua generation can truly be a generation that can lead this world out of the turmoil that it is in. And it can truly be a generation that is listened to. It can truly be a generation that is heeded, that is heard, that is noticed because they are coming on the scene because they have heeded the word of God. They then will be heeded. To heed means to hear, to listen, to obey. The Joshua generation will be a generation that is heeded only when the Joshua generation realizes and recognizes and respects that the Moses generation is needed. We need him. We need you in this room that have gone before us. We need you in this room that carry wisdom beyond your years and definitely beyond our years. We need those in this room that have experienced what we have yet to experience so we cannot just go through it and you watch us go through it, but so we can go through it together. And you can say, hey, avoid this. Hey, don't do that. Hey, would you try this because it worked for me last time and God told me to do this. Hey, would you read this scripture because it got me through a difficult time. When the Joshua generation begins to need the Moses generation, then that Joshua generation will be heeded by the world. Joshua 1.1, Pastor Greg has read this. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying. And I want us to read this with the full picture of context of what has happened previous years. I don't want us to read the first chapter of Joshua as if Joshua randomly by chance stepped on the scene. Or randomly by chance received a mantle and a transfer and an impartation from Moses and God by chance or by accident. I want us to look at this a little bit deeper and realize this didn't just happen in Joshua 1. I think many times the Joshua generation were waiting for our dreams to come to pass when they pass. 
that we can't fulfill our vision because we have to submit to his vision. We can't wait for our dreams because we're submitting to your dreams or what you think or how you're training us. No, together we will do what God has set forth for us to do. It will come to pass and we're not waiting for them to come to pass so we can then pass them by. To pass someone by, to pass something by literally means to casually go through it without gaining the full experience or encounter from that thing. I'm speaking and prophesying to the Joshua generation. We will not wait for you and y'all to pass away, not even physically, but just to get out of the way so we can then pass you by. But we will link arms with you. We will submit to you. We will honor you and we will respect you, knowing that we will submit to a vision so we then can submit our vision to the world. We submit to the Moses generation. Continuing in Joshua 1, it says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan. God has already given the land. God has already proclaimed the promise. God has already shown the end product of the deal. But there's a responsibility there's a action that our generation must take. And it's called arise. It's called stand up. It's called rise to the occasion. It's called take the stage. It's called be willing and vulnerable to submit yourself, but also have a vision yourself that is submitted and do everything you can to accomplish that vision according to the grace and the word of God. Arise, to rise, to stand up, to become powerful to maintain oneself, to come to the scene, to be established and confirmed, to endure, to be valid, to be fulfilled, to persist. I have to ask you, will the Joshua generation, I'm not meaning now, later in a few minutes, will the Joshua generation rise up to the occasion and step upon the scene? Will we rise up when God says rise up? Will we rise up when leaders in our life say, rise up. Oh, but I have to hear for myself. And Joshua heard from God himself and many times through Moses' voice. There's no shame. Yes, you have your ear tuned to the spirit. Yes, you, have your, you read the word of God for yourself. You don't rely on the Moses' generation coattail and expect them to do the work for you. But together, when we hear God's voice and he hears God's voice, it comes into unison and there's support, there's covering, there's proper release. You don't need to get out of the scene and get them out of the way for you to accomplish your dreams. But whenever your dreams are from and birthed from the spirit of God, they should always be in submission to the word of God and to the covering God has put in your life. Together, we will accomplish great things in this world to arise. As I said, Joshua didn't just casually arise in Joshua chapter 1. God didn't just randomly say, Joshua, you should arise now, buddy. Joshua, you should finally actually step up on the scene and become a powerful person. Joshua, you should finally set the stage and become in leadership just randomly. It's your turn. Go for it. Have a chance. Maybe you mess up. Maybe you, no. There was a process to the product. There was a process to get to the final thing. There was a process days and years and moments before to get to this. I'm speaking to the younger ones. 
that are gonna be at Difference Maker Camp because I can speak to the older ones that have been to camps, been to discipleship, submitted to Moses' generation. We've gone through a process and you're gonna see that God is gonna begin to tell us to rise. He's telling you to rise, but he's telling us to rise. But don't expect that your rise is gonna look like our rise. There's a process to get to the product. I believe God is through, through Pastor Greg spoken, there's supernatural acceleration coming on the Joshua generation. But that supernatural acceleration does not mean instant promotion. It doesn't mean instant everything that God has planned for your life. It means you instantly arise. You instantly step up. You instantly say, I'm willing to do what it is, wherever it is, how it is. As long as I get to where God has called me to be and ultimately to his presence, I will rise. To stand up, to become powerful, to maintain oneself, to come to the scene. It was the pattern of Joshua that led to the power of Joshua. It was the pattern of previous years of seeing Moses, of experience Moses, of, of smelling what was coming out of the tent, the presence and fragrance of God, of hearing maybe Moses talking or seeing the glare in his eyes after he came out the tent of, oh, he's seeing God face to face. I see God through his eyes. I see the authority in his eyes. I see the, the presence of God in his glare. I can feel it. I can sense it. Joshua didn't just step up on the scene randomly and say, give me the stage. He went through a process. We all want the good product. You can tell a lot about the product. If it's a faulty product, you can go back and somewhere in the process there was something faulty. If you look at a product and it's really good and it's really expensive, odds are they didn't just randomly get to that product and say, oh, slap a high price on it. We'll just see if someone buys it. No, that product is intentional. That product is perfect. That product is valued and validated and it is determined by the process. We must submit to the process, even if we've already submitted to a process. I never want to stop and think I've come to a stage in my life where I can't no longer submit to the process God has for my life. I hope and pray that he always has me in a process because in his process is his presence and the product is the promise. And I don't want to get to the promise if it does not come with the presence. We need the presence of God, Joshua generation. We need the presence of God. We need the process of God to get to the promise and to get to the product. Then that will not be faulty. Because the world is looking for faults. The world is looking for failure. I'm not saying we will be perfect, but I'm saying in Jesus and his presence, he will perfect us to then be a product of Christ. Joshua's pattern, as I begin to wrap up, if it was his pattern that led to the power, if it was the process that led to the promise, if it was the presence that led to the presence of God, to the promise of God. What is Joshua's pattern? What is it? What might it be? And I begin to pray, God, I don't, I don't know how to put words to it. Then he just began to speak to me. Two simple attributes that I guarantee Joshua had to have to get to that moment in Joshua 1 that didn't by chance happen. Joshua's pattern is one, he was patient. Joshua was patient. 
He didn't just expect, oh, I got touched in God's presence or I heard a whisper in the tent or Moses began to tell me to come closer. And then all of a sudden the next day I'm going to rise up and be a leader in this generation. No, he knew that there was patience in the midst of it. Patience means this, able to accept or tolerate delays, problems or suffering. But not only that, without being annoyed or anxious. I think many times we think patience is just getting through it or getting out of the season we're in. I don't want you to get out of the season you're in. I want you to get out of what God wants you to get out of the season you're in to get to the next season. If all you're getting in the season you're in is I want to get out because I'm anxious or I want to get out. No, you are a, a son and a daughter of the most high God who knows where you're at. You serve a God who knows the emotions you're going through. They're real emotions. They're raw emotions. They're not negated and they're not neglected and they're not put to aside. But God says, if you're just in the season ready to get out of it and you have annoyance and anxiousness, I'm not saying it won't come, but God's presence can come in the midst of that. To be patient. Joshua was patient. Joshua was intentional with the seasons he was in with Moses. Rising up, that we're calling the Joshua generation to do. Rising up does not put a rush order on the promises of God. Rising up is you saying, I'm willing to submit to the process to get to the promise and the presence of God, no matter what it looks like. One day, which could be a week after you rise up, you'll get a level of promotion. You'll get an opportunity to speak. You'll get an opportunity to lead. And it's not about opportunity. It's about a person you are being, becoming in God's presence. There's presences and promises and promotions in God. And it's a process to get to it. Doesn't by chance happen. We must rise up, but yet be patient in the midst of the rising. So if he was patient, I've come to find through reading Joshua, reading encounters, he was persistent. Joshua was persistent. He was continuing firmly and obstinately in a course of action in spite of difficulty or hardship. Joshua was persistent in grabbing what Moses was giving. Joshua was persistent in receiving what God was releasing. God has already promised that I am giving you these things. I am releasing to you these things. And now our responsibility as a Joshua generation in submission to a Moses generation is to grab what God gave and to receive what God released. No matter what it looks like, no matter what it sounds like, no matter where it's gonna put us in life in our friend circle and our friend zone, no matter how much we have to lay down our own plans and purposes, the purposes and plans that God gives are much better. God tells you to empty your hand, he won't leave you empty-handed. God tells you to lay down your life, he laid down his life for you. You'll receive life and the abundant life. Joshua was persistent in grabbing what Moses gave and receiving what God released. Joshua would not depart from the tabernacle where Moses met with God face to face because he craved that encounter. He was patient, but he was persistent. He knew I'm not just going to sit back and casually let it happen, but he knew I have to have a goal. I have to have a vision. I have to have submission. I have to have persistence. I have to have endurance to get to where I need to get to. The Joshua generation is going to begin to rise up, but it won't rise up alone. It won't rise up by chance. It won't rise up just on accident. The Joshua generation is about to rise up with the Moses generation. And we will work hand in hand. 
We will work heart to heart. We will walk face to face with God and with each other. And we will accomplish everything God has desired to accomplish according to his grace and his power and provision that he supplies. And only that we will get to that and we will cross to the other side because the Lord has said it is time. It is time. It is time for us to rise. Philippians 3, 12 through 16, I think this paints an amazing picture of where we're at right now, of connecting the Moses and the Joshua, those who have experienced and those who are about to experience, those of who have attained things and those who are about to attain things. Philippians 3, 12 through 16, not that I have already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. I may grab because he grabbed me. I may receive because he receives me. I may release things because he released to me. I may lay hold of the reason Jesus Christ laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in God, in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us as many as are mature have this mind. And if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us be of the same mind. At this time, I'm gonna ask if you consider yourself a Joshua generation especially those who are coming to camp this week in youth group, sons and daughters, we want you to go ahead and rise up and come to the front. We want to pray. But if that's you and you consider yourself a Joshua generation in this room, we're going to ask you to rise up as well. And y'all can come to the front. Everyone else can begin to stand now as well. But it says in this closing verse, nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us be of the same mind. This next move requires unity within the generations. It requires us realizing that we can meet mind to mind and thought to thought. We can meet together eye to eye in the midst of, even in the midst of training, in the midst of discipline, in the midst of raising up. We can be a generation that connects to the previous generation and submit ourselves. To them. Thank you, Pastor Cody. First of all, I want you to know that we love you. We're thankful for you. We believe in you. We believe that God has great purposes. And I want to say to you that right now, when the devil thought he had you, Jesus said, You're mine. I don't know what you did last night. I don't know what happened a year ago. None of that matters right now. You're obviously in the process because you're in the house. And we receive you. We receive you. I want to take this time also and ask for the Moses generation, ask specifically for parents and grandparents to come forward. If you're saying, I'm willing, listen, why should we wait for an inheritance when we can make an investment? That you're willing to put something into them. Perhaps you're here also and you're saying, well, my child, my son, or my daughter's not up here. 
but you want to get behind these families. Come in closer, families. You want to get behind them and say, I want to be a part of building up, raising up, equipping, preparing, investing into this generation. I'm going to ask you to come forward too. I'm going to ask you to just come stand behind them. We've had heavier altar calls than this before. Just make your way up here. I want to do something special also. I want to ask for the educators that are in here. Those of you that work in our school systems. Those of you that work in our child care. Those of you that work with the younger generation. I want you to come forth. Those of you, Cheyenne, I'm so proud of you. Cheyenne here this morning. So proud of you. I want you and, and Jason to come forward and stand right over here also. That you're willing to step out there. You're right. Your sign is right. It's about the next generation. That's what it's about. That's what it's about. It's not, it's not about our 401k. Not about our retirement pack. Our, our, what we're saving up should be the inheritance to the next generation. To our children and our children's children. Amen. It's not about whether somebody's sitting in our chair. It's about whether we're going to be willing to stand up and let another generation sit in our chair in church. And It's not about us having it the way we want it. It's about us giving God what he created. So will you stand? If there's something beating in your heart and I didn't express it or articulate it, whether you're on this side, the Joshua side, or whether you're on the Moses side, you have to be on one of them. You have to be on one of them. If it fits you, come. If it fits you, I want to speak to the Emilys and, and the Jacksons and the car. You, you young ones, come forward. Come stand on the stage with us. There's no lines drawn here. We're going to do what God wants to do. I'm going to raise up a generation. Come on, work your way in. Work your way in. We're going to pray. I'm going to ask you as you're down here right now to be praying yourself. Not just receiving, but sowing. Praying for one another. Friends, this is an important time of transition for a church. Father, we come before you and we present ourselves to you. And Lord, we're asking for a touch that only heaven can give this morning. We're asking it would come through the hands of one generation and into another. And from that generation, even to another. Father, I thank you for the Joshua generation. Father, I ask that you would forgive us anywhere we've ever spoken against them. Forgive us anywhere we've ever enabled them to not walk in the ways of the Lord. Father, I ask that you would give us grace this morning to love them, to accept them, to believe in them, to build them, to equip them, and to repair them, to raise them up and release them into your calling and your purposes upon their life.